you have a copy of God's Word, I'll invite you to find your place this morning in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. And brothers and sisters in Christ, this morning I want you to hear this. I love you all, and I am very thankful for your love for me and your prayer for me. And those of you this morning that are here that have yet to trust in the gospel, I'm sure that this church loves you as well. And this morning I feel led to preach on this very topic of love. So if you've found your place in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, the title of our message this morning is, Let Us Love One Another. Let us love one another. I'll invite you to stand once more as we honor the reading of God's word. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Let us love one another. Hear what the word of the Lord says. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Bow with me for a word of prayer as we consider this topic, our necessity to love one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we submit ourselves to the authority of your word. And we pray that the Holy Spirit of God would give us illumination and understanding to discern spiritual things in this passage. We pray that you would help us by your grace to love one another. And I pray that you would continue to yoke the people of this church together in love. Lord, I pray that if there is one here today that has not experienced the love of Christ, that you would effectually draw them unto yourself. Amen. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The word love is a loaded term that has many different meanings. In the New Testament, there are four different words that we use to translate this word love. In English, we use context to help us understand how we are using the word love. So for instance, some of you this morning, you might say that you love your favorite sports team. You're using that word in a very specific way. If you are married, I hope you would say that you love your spouse. But hopefully you mean something very different between the two things that I just said. Your love for a sports team might change based upon their performance, based upon their entertainment value. Hopefully you don't love your spouse in this type of way. 
And similarly, your love for your spouse includes this special, intimate love that only you and them share. You must not love anything else in this type of way. Do you see how in English, love means many different things? And context helps us determine how we are using this word love. Well, the type of love that I want us to get in this message as we're looking at 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, and as we're talking about love, the type of love that I want us to get can be learned through this helpful definition. Sam Waldron writes, Love is that delight, affection, and unselfish impulse which desires the blessing and benefit of another. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is how we ought to strive to love one another. No, we do not perfectly obey this difficult to command to love one another, but we ought to strive to love with that delight, affection, and unselfish impulse which desires the blessing and benefit of another. So the main point that I want you to get in this message as we look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12 is this. True knowledge of God causes us to love others. True knowledge of God causes us to love others. To consider this main idea, first we will consider the source of love. Second, we will consider the manifestation of love. And then lastly, I will try to apply some ways that will help us obey this difficult command that's set before us to love. So if you would, draw your attention now to verses 7 through 8. And brothers and sisters, let us love one another by considering the source of love. Let us love one another by considering the source of love. Three times in this section, John charges his readers with this word that is the title of our message. Let us love one another. If we were to flip back to 1 John chapter 3 verse 11, the Bible says this is the message that we have heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. This is not a new concept that John is bringing about at this point in redemptive history. Love for others is not only a key theme here in 1 John, it is flowing from all of Scripture. We might even say it is the second greatest commandment. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And secondly, to love others as ourselves. This is what we might say the second greatest commandment. But why is this commandment so important to us? Well, look at what John writes in the text. John writes, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. In other words, love for others is so important because it is evidence or fruit if you are saved or not. True knowledge of God causes us to love others. A person, they may know many things. They may be the most intelligent person in this room or on the face of the earth. But if they do not love others, John is telling us that they have not been born of God. The one 
who is born of God has been born of the Holy Spirit. And as Romans tells us, God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Love is from God. Everyone who has experienced the miracle of the new birth has been given this love through the Holy Spirit of God. So God is not only the source of our salvation. He is that. God is the source of love. And how can this be? This is so because God is love. This is a verse that many of us are familiar with. We've heard this phrase. Perhaps we've even heard this phrase twisted for sinful purposes to create a type of God that nobody wants to look at humbly and submit to. But this is sad that this phrase is twisted because verse 8 is one of those glorious passages in God's Word that tells us what God is. There are other texts in God's Word that help us accomplish this task. Deuteronomy 4 says that God is a consuming fire. John chapter 4 tells us that God is spirit. Earlier in 1 John verse 1 or chapter 1, we read that God is light. And here in our text, John is telling us that God is love. This is what God is. And these descriptions don't add up to compose what God is. Rather, these attributes are describing the one simple, uncompounded essence of God in Himself. God is love. As we look at creation, as we look at salvation, we see some ways that God's love has been manifested. But apart from creation... Apart from salvation, God is love. Within the divine essence of God, each person perfectly and affectionately loves. The Father perfectly loves His Son. The Son perfectly loves the Father. And the Holy Spirit in His person is the bond of love between the Father and the Son within the Godhead. The God that we have come to worship this morning. God loves Himself in purity and in perfection. Why is this so important to us this morning? This is so important because many people have their own idea of what love is. If any of you have a television screen, the moment you turn it on, you're likely seeing commercials of people telling you what love is. The LGBT movement has this phrase, true love wins. If you try to quote any scriptures, you are being told that you are unloving. Brothers and sisters, we must not get our definition of love from the world or from the culture. We must look to the triune God who is Love. God is love, and love comes from God. The source of love is the triune God that we have come to worship this morning. But next, draw your attention to verses 9 through 10. And let us love one another by believing in the manifestation of love. 
Let us love one another by believing in the manifestation of love. If the source of love is God, the manifestation of love is what God has done through Christ to save sinners. The manifestation of love is demonstrated in the gospel message that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and on the third day he was raised in accordance with the scriptures. This is the manifestation of love. For something to be manifested, it becomes visible. It is revealed. It is publicly exposed. As John is writing this letter, the Gnostic heretics are wrongly deceiving people and telling them that they're not even saved because they hadn't trusted in their private and secretive salvation message. But John is saying that God has publicly revealed His love to all the world to see for what God has done through Christ to reconcile sinners. So I want us to consider four ways that we can see how God's love has been manifested in these verses. And as you're hearing how God has manifested His love through Christ, I charge you to believe in this Christ of whom I'm telling you about. Yes, amen. And if you have already trusted in this Christ this morning, I want you to be encouraged anew as you consider God's love towards you and His Son. So first, God's love is manifested And that God sent His Son. This glorious Son of God who was with the Father in the beginning. And who is Himself the radiance of the glory of God. He was sent into this world by the Father. As Philippians tells us, the Son was in the form of God. But He took on the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Though God is so transcendently high above us, through the sending of His Son, we are brought eminently close to God by faith. God has loved us by condescending down to us whenever we couldn't work our way up to Him. Consider God's love this morning. Second, God's love is manifested in this, that God sent His Son that we might live through Him. Without Christ being sent into this world, what is our description? We are all dead in our trespasses and sins, as Ephesians tells us. And as dead sinners, we would die the second death that we all deserve and be cast into hell. But God has shown His love towards His people by making the one and only way for us to live. Through faith in Jesus, we are radically transformed from death to life. So God's love is manifested in this. Third, God's love is manifested as follows. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. This morning I have some good news for you and I hope it's an encouragement to you. God's love for us is not conditioned upon our love for Him. He doesn't love us more or love us less based upon what we try to do to earn His love. This is good news because without Christ being sent by the Father, we wouldn't love God at all. Without Christ... 
we would hate God. This is what the Bible says. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people loved darkness rather than the light. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. So unbelievers not only lack a love for God, they hate God. And you were once an unbeliever too. And you hated God. And follower of Christ, when you hated God, He loved you first. Be encouraged by this good news this morning. Fourth, God's love is manifested in this. In this is love that God sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. To propitiate means to appease or to atone for the punishment of sin. This is what God has done through Christ. Second London Confession says, The Lord Jesus, by His perfect obedience and sacrifice of Himself, has fully satisfied the justice of God and has purchased salvation by all those for whom the Father has given unto Him. By turning from our sins and believing in the gospel, we freely receive what Christ has earned through His atoning sacrifice. This is love. God shows His love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this morning you have heard four ways that God's love has been manifested and all of them are pointing to this gospel message that we are commanded to believe in. All of us deserve hell for our sins. None of us can save ourselves. None of us can raise ourselves from death to life. But the good news is that God has greatly loved by sending His Son to save sinners. Perhaps today may be the day that you experience this love for the first time. Jesus Christ laid down His life. And He laid down His life for everyone who will believe in Him. So this morning, you must turn from your sins and believe in Jesus. Believe in this great manifestation of love. We have considered now the source of love. We have considered the manifestation of love, but look at verses 11 through 12. And let us love one another by obeying the instruction to love. Let us love one another by obeying the instruction to love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We have already observed that God has indeed loved us, His children. He loved us when we hated Him. He loved us by condescending down to our level whenever we couldn't work our way up to Him. The Son has loved us greatly. And therefore, we as His children also ought to love one another. We must take this love that we have received and spread it. To the brethren, the love of God has been poured into our hearts, as Romans says, and we can and we must love one another. Lastly, consider the encouragement from verse 12. The text says this, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Although we have never looked upon the invisible God with our eyes, we can demonstrate that we know this invisible God by loving others. 
Again, the Gnostic heretics told Christians that they weren't actually saved because they hadn't trusted in the message of their secretive cult. John is writing that we can know that we are Christians if we will love God's people. So Christians, this morning, let us evidence our salvation by loving our brothers and sisters in the Lord. This morning, I have sought to show you from our text that true knowledge of God causes us to love others. This is easy to understand, I think. It's far more difficult to try to love God's people. So for the remainder of the message, I want to apply three ways that we can try to obey this difficult command to love one another. And so first, a way that we can try to obey this difficult command to love one another, tell one another that you love each other. Tell one another that you love each other. Four years ago, Rachel's grandfather passed away. They tell me all types of stories about him, and it's very difficult to believe some of these stories that they tell me about him. One thing that shocked me, though, was that throughout his life, he rarely ever told people that he loved them. This was how he was raised. His parents never told him that he loved him, and therefore when he grew up, and he decided that he was going to keep that rule. I'm not sure if they viewed it as a sign of weakness to say these words to one another, but they didn't say it. So when Freddie got older, he received a dark providence in his life. He was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And though this was in many ways a dark providence, the Lord was using these difficult circumstances for his sanctification. During this season, Freddie broke his rule and he started telling everyone around him that he loved them. This was not because of some sickness that he got. This was God working in his heart. I only knew this man after this had happened and I only knew him whenever he told me that he loved me on multiple occasions. Perhaps some of you can sympathize with this. You have been trained and taught that you're supposed to be as tough as possible and you think it's a sign of weakness to tell other people around you that you love them. Brothers and sisters, I would encourage you this morning that we should never become so tough inwardly or outwardly that we become cold to one another. It's a very difficult thing sometimes, but men of the church, perhaps you just need to grab another man, shake his hand and say, I love you, brother. Tell them. Look at their eyes and say, I love you. You don't have to make this uncomfortable or awkward. I don't know many movie references, but I've seen the Christmas one with Buddy the Elf when he walks into his dad's office and he sings, I love you, I love you, I love you, and it's, most, it's so cringeworthy. You don't have to make telling your brother that you love them uncomfortable and awkward. But tell one another that you love each other. Verbalizing your love for one another is just a simple way that you can obey this instruction to love. And women, you also ought to strive in some way, perhaps this may be the way, to try to love one another. Love is the bond that strengthens your fellowship with each other. A deep love for one another could prevent unnecessary 
quarrelings or minor agreements that you may have with each other. Telling others that you love them consistently may be what they need to hear so that they don't hold grudges against you. And likewise, being told that you are loved by someone else may be what you need so you do not hold grudges against them. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as Peter exhorts us, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Love one another by telling each other you love each other. Secondly, by striving to obey this command, love one another by being there for one another. I'm about to say some things that I think are somewhat obvious to you all. There are certainly cases where members are providentially hindered from coming to the gathering or the assembly. Acts of necessity and acts of mercy should be done on the Lord's day. And they are not sinful. But this does not mean that Christianity is exclusively an individualistic religion. In other words, Christianity is not just about you and God, although that is very important. The New Testament gives us ample instruction of our responsibility towards one another. If my count is correct, there are at least 50 commands in the New Testament that tell us how we are to regard or to treat one another. Just for a few examples, we are told to greet one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, submit to one another, and be kind to one another. And as we have seen in our text, over and over again, we are commanded that we are to love one another. In order for us to obey these commands, it becomes necessary at some point for us to be there for one another. Consider this example. Colossians tells us that we are to admonish one another. And we are to do this by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. When you sing in corporate worship... You are not only giving your praise to the triune God, although that is perhaps our highest necessity and our highest priority in singing, but you are also admonishing one another or ministering to the people who you are singing with. So the clear implication from this passage is that you actually have to be there to sing with the people to admonish them. Go to your church and love the people that you are in membership with with. Seek to love your brothers and sisters by being there for them. If you know God, show that you love God's people. And lastly, by way of application, this morning I want to encourage you to love on the foundation of truth. Love on the foundation of truth. We don't just love for the sake of niceness. We don't just love with the chief aim of making ourselves feel good for doing good things. We love because we have experienced the love of God through union with Christ. We love believing certain truths about Christ. That He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up into glory. We love upon the foundation of truth. So let us not sacrifice truth for love, nor love for truth. If we love without truth, we're very easily going to be taken captive by emotionalism, 
But if we hold to truth without love, we may very easily become arrogant and cold intellectuals. So may the God who is love and who is truth guard us from both of these extremes that we may come in contact with. Let us love one another and let us do this upon the foundation of truth. Brothers and sisters, again, I want you to hear, I love you. I'm so thankful already for your love towards me and my family. Brothers and sisters in Christ, even greater though, Christ has greatly loved you. God is love and God has publicly displayed his love to this world by sending his son to save his sheep. This is the message that you must believe in. Turn from your sins and by faith believe in this public gospel message. And since God has publicly loved, we also ought to love one another. John is telling us that true knowledge of God causes us to love others. So our knowledge of God, it must not be exclusively private. Neither should our religion. Knowledge of God must be publicly displayed by loving. Let us love one another. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we see in this text our necessity to love each other. But Lord, it is often more difficult in practice than it is in our mind. And so we pray that by your Holy Spirit that you would pour your love into our hearts. You would help us to exemplify the fruits of the Spirit and you would give us a great and a deep love for one another. Lord, I pray this for your glory alone. In Jesus' name.